This is Public Hearing, an Auburn City News podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm Elizabeth Hurley, Community Editor for the Plainsman. And because of this holiday break this week, uh, I have a special co-host, our community reporter, Mr. Corey Blackman. Thanks for joining me, Corey. Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. I'm excited to talk about something I get to go to every other week, the Auburn City Council. Yes, well, this Tuesday was the council's second December meeting, and as they told us several times during the meeting. It was also the last meeting of the decade. Oh, yeah. And uh, the issues of the evening certainly lived up to that meeting. Um, Up first during the Committee of the Whole was more student housing discussion with the student housing moratorium. The council didn't make any votes on the moratorium Tuesday evening, but instead discussed what's coming up and the schedule and the timeline for it. So this moratorium, like we've talked about before, would put a stop on purpose-built student housing in Auburn for 90 days if it is approved. At least that's what um, current discussions have been about. The earliest we could see a vote on this and then the implication of this moratorium is the end of February. That's because since it's related to zoning, the Planning Commission has to discuss and vote on it before the council can. The commission's January meeting agenda is already set and advertising deadlines have passed. So they would have to discuss it at their February meeting, which is on February 13th. If they vote on it that night, then the council would hear it at their February 18th meeting. But since this would be the first reading of the ordinance, it would require unanimous consent. If that doesn't happen, then there there are more chances for the moratorium to be approved, but it just wouldn't happen in February. Yeah, it's a, a long process. All the zoning issues need to go through the Planning Commission. Uh, There currently is a draft ordinance, uh, but it can be amended, uh, recommended, or denied before even being considered by the city council. City manager Jim Buston said that the city may bring other things like building regulations and uh, other incentive programs to the council to work on while the moratorium is still being planned and uh, looked through by the planning commission. Right now, the city is looking into a program that incentivizes redevelopment of some of the older housing to something other than student housing. So trying to get that a little bit off. All of this is to say there is no official action taken last night. The first time this comes up for a vote will be at the Planning Commission's February meeting, uh, but there will be workshop meetings held before then with the Planning Commission members to discuss the moratorium. These are public meetings, and they're usually held in the Development Services Building, um, which is right next door to the new Public Safety Building. Um, they're, like I said, they're public meeting. Like I said, they're public meetings, but there is no period for public comment. The public is just invited to attend to uh, watch and listen. And I know uh, Councilmember Bob Parsons uh, goes to quite a few of these and usually live streams them on his uh, Facebook page, I believe. Yeah. Um, Moving on to the council's regular meeting, City Manager Jim Buston announced two board vacancies, both for the cemetery's advisory board. To apply for those positions, visit the city's website under boards and commissions for the application. And as we've discussed before, council members are able to remove items from the consent agenda to discuss them individually. At Tuesday night's meeting, Ward 2 Councilmember Kelly Griswold removed the contract with ETC Institute for the city's biennial citizen survey, and Ward 1 Councilmember Connie Fitch-Taylor removed the contract with WW Compton Contractor for the Boykin Community Center renovations. Ward 6 Councilmember Bob Parsons removed the item discussing traffic calming devices as well. Yeah, Councilmember Griswold pulled the ETC contract to discuss the results of the last survey. The results showed most of the respondents came from the city center, lacking respondents from the rest of the city. City Manager Jim Buston said the city will work with ETC to let the citizens know that the survey is being sent and to try to emphasize the importance of responding to the survey. 
Uh, Ward 8 Councilmember Tommy Dawson said when he was working with the Auburn Police Division, a lot of planning and scheduling revolved around the results of the survey. Councilmember Connie Fitch-Taylor was looking for clarification on the Boykin Center plan, specifically regarding the parking lot, which is planned to expand to about 70 spots from its current about 40 spots. After discussion, the contract for the cost of labor, equipment, and material for the construction of the renovations was approved. Councilmember Parsons removed the item discussing traffic calming devices to ask how residents in his ward could apply to have a similar device installed in Ward 6. He mentioned that the online application doesn't open, and City Manager Busson said he would have the city staff look into that and fixing the online application. This council then approved the installation of traffic calming devices on Belmont Drive, which is part of a subdivision off South College Street near Lee Road 10. This includes three speed humps and one traffic circle. After those items were removed from the consent agenda and discussed and voted on, the council then moved on to approve the actual consent agenda. In that consent agenda, there were three tax abatements. The first was for the company Rausch & Pausch, which was a one-year extension of of a previously approved tax abatement for the same company. The next was for Zozano Pharma, which is investing about $2.5 million into um, Auburn. And the last was for CSP Technologies, which is investing about $36.4 million. There were an additional six contracts and agreements approved, including one for the addition to the Frank Brown Recreation Center and for the hardware, software, and ongoing services to live stream city council and other public meetings in the new city council chambers in the new public safety building. So uh, Director of Public Affairs, uh, Mr. David Dorton, was actually telling me about this technology. And I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Definitely going to be easy for us to use because it's going to allow online viewers to open the council's agenda and click on an item. And it'll bring you to video footage from the council meeting of the council discussing it and taking a vote on it. So like if it if it had existed for this meeting, which it didn't, but if it did, they could you could have clicked on one of the tax abatements like the one for. Zozano Pharma clicked on it and you would have seen the council discussing the the consent agenda or if you had clicked on one for the um the Boykin Center uh contract approval for the construction costs you could have clicked on it and it would have showed you the council talking about it I mean I think that's pretty cool <laughs> I don't know about you yeah uh Mayor Anders was also saying that there will be several cameras set up in the new building so you can kind of see from different angles the city council members, the people that are coming up to speak to them, and lots of different things. Well, they'll have panels side by side up on the website. So you'll see the amendment coming up or the ordinance, you know, all the paperwork there. But you'll also have a live footage of the council or whoever's proposing something. Talk about advanced. Jeez. Yeah. The initial cost of all this technology is just under $163,000 for the fiscal year 2020. Each year after that, beginning in fiscal year 2021, the cost is just over $56,000 per year. There were also seven easements and uh, three amendments approved in the consent agenda. Those amendments were for changes in the water resource management design and construction manual, changes to the engineering design and construction manual, and updates to the major street plan. The last item on the consent agenda was an appointment to the Green Space Advisory Board. The council had two ordinances to consider, both of which were on their first reading, so they required unanimous consent. Uh, One ordinance established a no-parking zone on the south side of North Avenue and was approved. The second ordinance was an annexation of property located on Lee Road 672. 
The second ordinance was an annexation of property located on Lee Road 672, which is also known as Thistle Lane, and it was approved. Finally, under resolutions, there is quite a bit for the council to consider. Mm -hmm. These were all conditional use approvals for various reasons and projects across the city. A reminder on these, uh, things can be permitted by right, by conditional use, or not at all in a zone. So, for example, one zone may allow single-family homes by right or a restaurant by conditional use. If someone wants to build a restaurant in that zone, they would need to go through the conditional use process, which includes getting permission from the planning commission and the council. So on t- at Tuesday night's meeting, we had five of those for the council to consider. These had all already gone through the planning commission and we're now at the last step, which was approval from the council. First up was conditional use approval for road service use, such as auto repair and paint and body work at an auto service center on East Veteran Boulevard. Um, This was approved along with conditional use for Camden West to build outdoor recreation facilities such as pool and pool house. The council then got into two conditional use items related to the Wright Street Municipal Parking Deck. First was the conditional use approval of the parking deck itself. Uh, This deck has been in the works for several years now and has gone through a few iterations and plans. Ultimately, the plan that was approved Tuesday evening includes approximately 359 spaces for parking in downtown Auburn and facilities for the Auburn Baptist Student Center, which used to occupy the land that the deck will now sit on. The deck's entrance will be located on Wright Street, which parallels with North College Street. It is sandwiched between the University Inn and other city parking spaces, which border 191 College. The second item related to the deck was conditional use approval for a temporary public park to be located in the front of the new downtown parking deck. The park is situated between the bike shop and Coyotes, which closed earlier this year. The park is planned to include several benches, trees, and light posts. The land, which is currently fenced off with no greenery or foliage, will be covered in grass or turf once the park is complete. The last item on the agenda and under resolutions was a conditional use approval for a warehouse distribution facility located on Pumphrey Avenue, which is near Martin Luther King Drive and Webster Road. The council also approved this conditional use resolution. Well, I think that about does it for us today. I know it was certainly an active meeting for the council's last meeting of the decade. Yeah, they tackled a lot of things at this meeting, and we should see several meetings in the new year handling a lot of big ticket items like student housing moratoriums and short-term rentals. Well, thank you for joining me today, Corey, to break down the last city council meeting of the decade. Oh yeah, definitely. I had fun. Thanks for having me. And I'm sure they made a lot of jokes last night about the... Oh yeah, there was, there was a, a fair amount of that. There's, you know, see you next decade. Uh, yeah. no, it's always fun. I mean, you can only make them once a decade. Okay, we're going to sign off on that. Aw, man. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Corey. We'd like to thank Weagle and Grayson Moyer for allowing us to borrow their studio. You can find our podcast and other Plainsman podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Hurley. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to the Auburn Plainsman's network of podcasts. Join us next week for the next episode of Public Hearing.